My name is Christina Crook, and I am the author of The Joy of Missing Out. I want to welcome you to the JomoCast, a podcast for founders and creators seeking joy in a digital age. Jomo is the joy of missing out on the right things. Things like toxic hustle, comparison, and digital drain to make space for life-giving commitments that bring us peace, meaning, and joy. The Joy of Missing Out is a social movement. It is a philosophy, a set of values, a mission statement, and a lifelong pursuit. Everything done within the Jomo community, from the podcast to the membership on Patreon, reflects, amplifies, and resonates a few important values. Abundance, community, freedom, integrity, playfulness, and joy. Some of you in the Jomo community, particularly on Instagram, have written recently to me to say that you appreciate that the Jomo mission is so clear and consistent and repeated often. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to repeat again what the joy of missing out really means. It's the joy of missing out on the right things. Things that take from us, things that steal, things that diminish us, diminish humanity, in order to make space for things that bring us joy and peace and meaning and purpose. And that is what the JomoCast is all about. You may have noticed that we have not mentioned our sponsor Hover the last couple of episodes. And that's because unfortunately, Hover was unable to continue their commitment as a sponsor with the JomoCast, but we're so incredibly grateful for them sponsoring the first 10 episodes of the podcast which means that we're in a position where the JomoCast is now entirely Patreon supported. If this podcast is bringing value to your life, I would ask that you please consider supporting it. When we support what supports us, we're able to hear and listen to and consume the things that we love because the creators that are making it have the support they need to keep going. So if you want to become a JomoCast Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com forward slash JomoCast to become a supporter today. And I would like to call out the newest Jomo patrons that have signed up in the last few weeks. Marcia Ramos, Valerie Lamb-Bentley, Christina Maleka, and Jennifer Fowler. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you enjoy this episode of the JomoCast. Thanks to their miraculous homing instincts, pigeons have a long and honorable track record in delivering messages. The ancient Greeks sent them out to broadcast the names of victorious athletes at the original Olympic Games. And Julius Caesar employed pigeon posts during his conquest of Gaul. In recent centuries, of course, ever since 1660, when King Charles II established the post office, the poor old pigeon's been somewhat edged out. Well, my guest today thinks it's time to reintroduce Pigeon Post, but in a modern iteration. John Morris Brown came up with the idea of Pigeon after falling out of love with social media. For all of the frenetic activity he and his friends were putting in, he felt wasn't fostering any genuine sense of connection. There was something about it that left him feeling hollow and empty. So he took the plunge and closed his social media accounts. But then a good friend of his moved from Britain, which is where John lives, to the USA. 
Until then, apart from trips to the pub, which were no longer possible, they'd only really communicated on Facebook, which meant John needed a new way of keeping in touch with his friend. That made him think about letters. Compared with posting online, letter writing creates quite a few hurdles. Laying hands on writing paper, finding an envelope, an address, a stamp. Then there's the tyranny of an empty page. What to write? How on earth do you start? John realized he had the opportunity to reinvent the letter. And our interview today is about that journey. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with John Morse-Brown, the UK-based graphic designer and founder of Pigeon Post. So I first discovered Pigeon when I opened up my post office box. And there inside was a beautiful, brightly covered envelope, which turned out to be more than an envelope. I literally skipped out the door of the post office with joy and delight and sat where I normally sit to open mail at this little shelter in my neighborhood and unfolded this eight and a half by 11 envelope, which turned into a piece of paper and laid it flat. And there I found the words of John Morse Brown writing to me from the United Kingdom about his project called Pigeon. So I'm thrilled to have John on the podcast today. Hello, John. Hello. (laughs) great to be here where are we speaking to you from today well um i'm in birmingham in england so middle of england i work in a small office just south of the city center it's an old a very old uh, victorian building Uh, my office is called the pigeon loft i love it (laughs) didn't the bbc come to the pigeon loft they did. They did. Yeah. When uh, just just before I launched, they um, found out about it and came to do a little piece on me, which was which is a great way to start, to start. I didn't didn't uh, more than I expected. So that was fantastic. That's really fun. And this yeah. is this is an office you also share with your day job as a graphic designer. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. My my day job is a graphic designer, and this is um, a project I've had. I've been been building in the background. And it launched about six months ago, hoping one day it'll take over my day job. (laughs) (laughs) That is always a dream. I think you've got a great start. So tell, walk us through a little bit about your decision to reinvent the letter. Walk us through the journey to that that moment or that idea. Sure. Um, Okay, so it was back back in the, the days when Facebook was all over the news for, um, hacking russian interference it was all about the the american elections actually and it wasn't it wasn't good coverage and i think that and my experience on facebook combined to basically make me switch off facebook i I finally took the plunge and thought you know what this is not a good experience for me i don't like what i'm hearing about the platform i'm going to switch it off and that's what I did. I, I I basically felt that it was my interaction with with Facebook was generally negative. If it wasn't sort of scrolling obsessively through my friends' accounts, it was getting annoyed at people because they were oversharing, and they probably thought the same of me. It just didn't feel like a sort of joyful place to be anymore. So eventually, I switched switched it off. When you say you switched it off, you mean you deleted your account you didn't just log out yeah i downloaded everything they knew about me had a good look at that and thought blimey that's a lot of information you've got on me 
and then started the delete process, which takes about a month or something, I think, if you and try wow. try not to log back on again because I think if you log back on again in that month, they'll reinstate your account. So anyway, I managed it. Um, I'm off Facebook, but then a problem occurred because I've got um, a really good friend who used to live on the next street to me where I live in in Birmingham, and regularly go around to his house or go to the pub with him. But then he moved. He moved to New York, and previously. The only way I'd, well, when he was in New York, the only way I kept in touch with him was with Facebook Messenger, just the odd message here and there. Didn't, I, there was no other way I, I spoke to him or communicated with him. So I thought, how am I going to keep in touch with John? So that Christmas, after I'd left Facebook, I, I decided I'd give him a letter writing pad. I made it, had a pen made with his name on it, gave him some envelopes, and he thought I was mad. Yeah, thought I was absolutely nuts. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like nuts because he would never use it? I think because it's so old school and it's like, what am I going to do with this? This is like, I've got to fill a whole page. I've got to find some stuff. And it, it sort of made me really think because I was coming around to the idea of letter writing, trying to think how you could sort of, it could be revived a bit. But it, it sort of knocked me back a bit because it made me think it's old school. Yeah, it's, it's vintage, but it's not, it's not sort of very trendy and not, you know, there's, there's lots of negatives to filling a whole blank sheet of paper in. So it just started me thinking, really, what could I do to make the letter more um, appealing to, to our generation with our short attention spans and, and that kind of thing? So slowly, over, over that Christmas and, and then into the new year, I came up with this idea. I found this fold, a really clever little origami fold that folds a single sheet of paper into its own envelope. And then I worked out how to um, put patterns on it so that the area that you're writing in is quite is is not too big. It's just like a like a postcard, really. Not too daunting. They look gorgeous. They they're much more efficient than a you know. If you've got a letter writing pad, you have to go and find a, the right size envelope and and stuff like that. So eventually, I came up with the whole concept of pigeon, which, as you've seen, is a is a small letter that piece of paper that folds into its own envelope. You seal it with a stamp, and off it goes. It has this, it ha, it's, it's so beautifully designed. It has the space where it shows you exactly where you stick your stamp because most of us don't even know where to write the stamp no, no. or the to and the from and all those things. It's all built right into the design. Foolproof. Yeah, totally foolproof. Totally, totally foolproof. And yeah, so I launched it about six months ago and it's had a, a, a really good reception. I've been blown away by the the sort of the comments that I've had from people who've bought it or seen it. I think I knew, you know, I knew I was doing something that I loved, but I wasn't sure as you, as you never are with a new product, you know, how other people are going to receive it. But it feels like, as I was thinking about it this morning, it feels like it's, um, it's a product of joy. If you can summarize the response you get from, like I've had from people, it's one of joy, which is, I, I never really thought about it like that before. It's, I didn't, I didn't think that's what it would produce. But it has, and it's it's lovely because you're sending sending some, when someone buys a pack, you're sending them the pack. They get joy in in opening the pack. Then they're sending to someone else who gets joy from what they've received, and hopefully it sort of starts the chain of of uh, communicating like that. So mm-hmm. it's felt really really lovely to to be involved with it, to be a part of it. Uh, just it's been a joy. 
That's so incredible. To say that you've created something that's bringing people joy, I mean, I don't know that there is a greater joy. <laughs> I don't know. If, no, I don't know if there is. And especially if you do it not thinking that that's <laughs> going to be the case. Obviously, you, when you're designing a product, you think hope, you hope it will sell and, and be successful. But to and, and hopefully you will love it yourself because that's otherwise why would you produce it? But to, to, to get that result, I was, I was chuffed. It's just I loved it. I absolutely love it. And it, it sort of it, it continues. When I send a pack out a couple of days later, I always email the person who's bought it to see whether they received it or not. And quite a few times, without me asking, they'll tell me what they think of it and where they found out about it. And, and those are the, the, the messages I treasure. I had one about a week and a half ago from a lady over this side of the Atlantic who um, had found it in a magazine um, and immediately bought two and then immediately emailed me out of the blue without me asking her to say exactly what she thought of it, which was she absolutely loved it um, and was hoping that well, she was quite ill with a, with a nasty illness. And she, she said that receiving post, postal delivery, she thought could be a highlight of her day, but generally it's all bills and you know type stuff. So when she'd seen pigeons, she thought, right, she's going to buy some, send them to her friends and relatives. Because for her, she said that you know receiving a text message to say how are you doing and hope you're feeling okay today was was nice, but not not half as nice as knowing that someone has sat down for twenty minutes, quarter of an hour, and written you a personal note. So she sent all these these uh, pigeons out and is now hoping to. To receive some back. So basically sort of sending out a little parcel of joy with the hope of receiving joy back herself. And um, yeah. I've had quite a few, um, we've had a few emails back and forth with her. She just bought some of the uh, Christmas pigeons, which have just launched today, actually. And, and yeah, it's just been, it's just been lovely to hear personal stories of people that I've never met, I would never have met otherwise, who have been nicely affected by by having a pigeon or, and writing them and receiving them. Listening, maybe you can hear the smile in John's voice, but he's got the biggest smile on his face right now as I'm as I'm seeing him across the Atlantic through the power of the internet. Thank you, internet. Um, but I, when you originally, you know, I first connected and you shared your story, it really felt like your motive with creating Pigeon was to increase connection. You yeah. really wanted to see people connecting. Is that what you, I mean, it sounds that's exactly what's happening. Absolutely. That I think that was one, that's one of my first blog posts I did on, on the Pigeon website, which was to say that I used the phrase, the phrase that love makes the world go round. And I said, yep, that's true. But I think there's something else we all need, which is maybe a bit more basic, and that's connection. And it felt like to me that frenzied social app filled digital never never switched off world although on the face of it makes it, it it we may think we are more connected than ever because we have you know 300 friends online uh, and lots of whatsapp groups etc cetera, etc cetera. i think we're actually less connected because because of the medium i personally and obviously there will be people who love facebook and whatever but Personally, I don't feel it connects me as well as it could do. And I think Pigeon was a kind of sort of backlash for me against that. Uh, just putting it out there really as a, here's another way of connecting, which we've lost almost. I think it is reviving. There are actually lots of letter writing 
groups you can find online all over the world now, which is quite amazing. But it's a means of communicating that is very old and in many ways has been sort of eaten up by Facebook and, and such like. So it's really just a way of saying, look, I think this is a, a more fundamentally connecting way of connecting. It's, I've said it in the blog, it's, for me, it's, it's the difference between broadcasting, or one of the differences, it's the difference between broadcasting and narrow casting. Broadcasting is when you take a picture of your meal or you say how you're feeling or say what you've done today or where you are on holiday and you send it to all of your friends at the same time. Now, I think a lot of people who receive that go, well, it, it doesn't, doesn't affect them much. They go, well, great, John's on holiday in the Bahamas, lucky him. Or it might actually make them think, mm, yeah, I'm stuck in my office. I wish I could be in the Bahamas. So that, that's broadcasting. If you narrow casted that, and wrote to one friend to say, I'm in the Bahamas and this is what it's like. And they would actually love it. It's the same mm -hmm. content, exactly the same content. But because I think it's because that one friend of yours knows that you've taken the time to sit down and communicate what you're feeling and where you are and how it is to him or her only, it turns it from a oversharing, potentially annoying post to a treasured bit of news, which... The other fascinating thing is, which is you're more likely to read again. How many people reread Facebook posts or, you know, only, only if they're really, really funny or, or whatever. But generally speaking, you read it once, you skim it, it you move on. Whereas I've got letters now that um, I've received that I've read three times because I read it once and a week later I was like, what did David say in that? That was so funny. And I could find it again and reread it again and get the same pleasure all over again. So it does feel like a a way of fostering connection that I think we've perhaps lost a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, oh, there's so many threads I want to pick up from what you've said. Um, I find with writing a letter that actually I don't tend to send them from fancy places like the Bahamas. <laughs> I'm more inclined to go sit at the picnic table in my back patio and and just sit there and tell them about just the minutia of the day and the things that I'm seeing around me, just things I would never put in a text message or in a social media post. And maybe I wish that I would, but I don't. And there, that's what I think the power of letter writing is, is I usually start with, I'm sit, like I tell them where I am, which is what I actually try to do also with this podcast. I try to ground it in space where are you? Where are we speaking to you from? But that's what I, with letter writing, it's always I'm I'm sitting at the picnic table and around me I see and I describe it and then I start to tell them a bit about life. But it's more rambly, yeah, right? It's totally much rambly. more stream of conscious, yeah, yeah, rambly and stream of consciousness, and it barely matters what you're telling them about no. <laughs> at all. Actually, no. it's totally bizarre because if you said that, if you described that means of communication and said. As you're just describing it, most people would go, well, what are you doing that for? But actually, when you do it, it's such a pleasurable experience. Not only, I think not only receiving it, but writing it. I, all my letters, similar to you, have been, almost all of them have been written on one particular sofa in our living room. I, I can picture it now, you know, I can transport myself there. And it's just as you say, you just write what you've just had for tea or, you know, the kids are squabbling or whatever, whatever what's going on around you, how you're feeling where you've just been and it's it's just a fun experience of writing it mm -hmm. and similarly i know from receiving 
the letters back again. Uh, as one particular friend I write a lot to, he, he will do the same thing, what he's been reading at the moment, and just little stream of consciousness things that of their own may, may not, you know, they're not earth-shaking or anything, but they make up a life. And mm-hmm. you know you've received a little bit of his or her life in that letter. And I think that's, that's, that's one of the other things. It's, it's a time capsule that you've got, physically got in your hand and can keep. That, as you say, every, every time we have talk about letters, there feels like there's so many little things that you could talk about them and that fill you with joy that are amazing and that they're all little, but I think together they form this, this experience which you just don't get in any other medium. I don't think there is another medium like it. So for those of you listening, you can obviously order pigeons online in a very streamlined and efficient manner. (laughs) The thing that won't be as efficient, although John may be trying to solve for this problem, is getting stamps. But can I tell you that there is a post office not far from wherever you live in the world and that stamps are actually like one of the truly most joyful things in my life, because at least here in Canada... Our postal system, and I don't know if it's true in the UK, John, maybe you can speak to this in a minute, but there's always new stamps being designed and being released. So right now, uh, I have stamps that are popsicles uh, (laughs) with legs and arms that are walking around. (laughs) Oh, yes. And my kids see them. They're like, what? What is that? That's the coolest sticker in the world. I'm like, I know. It's a stamp, which I'm going to use to send to someone in the world. Um, so all you need is your pigeon and your stamps. And stamps are actually super fun. You don't even have to lick them anymore. They're at least here, they're stickers. But that can be a instead of it being a, a laborious or an extra thing to do on your list, it could be a joy to get some stamps. Just stock up. Absolutely. Just one other point. If you're buying uh, pigeons in the UK, you can buy stamps from the pigeon website, but it'll only you'll only notice that if you're in the UK because the website's clever and it knows where you're ordering from. It'll only, cool. only offer them to you if you. I do. I would really love to start offering stamps from different countries, and I think that's that's a, a thing I'll probably get into where it'll pick up. If you're ordering from Canada, I'll sell you some Canadian stamps because yes, you're right. It's if if you can make it as seamless as possible, so you don't literally don't have to leave your house to to get all the raw materials. That's great. But as again, as I mentioned in one of my podcasts, one of the other nice things about letters is is the the gentle amble to the post box afterwards. <laughs> you know you have to stick it in one of those, I don't know what color they are over there. Over here, they're red. Red. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think, in this day and age, is its own little technological marvel. The fact that you can put a folded piece of paper with a little sticky sticky stamp on it into a metal box beside the road, leave it there, and the next day, certainly in the UK, your friend will receive the letter and do the same thing back again. And this is the other other little thing I wanted to mention on, on letters is the whole delayed gratification thing, which is kind of bizarre and turns things on its head. Obviously, in, in today's sort of always on digital world, everything's instant. And we kind of, we know we all get a bit frustrated when things don't work instantly. You always, we're always wanting Amazon to deliver faster, even though you're on Prime and it's going to come the next day. And so you find things in the real world that don't happen instantly and it's, it gets you annoyed. But the, the funny thing with letters is, I found, is that when you write it and stick it in a post box, 
again, it sounds corny, but there's this sort of deep sense of joy again. It's the only word I can think of, joy and excitement. But in a day or two, my friend's going to receive this unique little piece of me. Who'd have, yeah. who'd have thought that that is an emotion that plays into letter writing? Unless you've done it, you, don't, you just don't know, and then you, you do it and you think, blimey. It's not just the enjoying the writing and the enjoying receiving. It's actually the enjoying of the waiting for it, which is bizarre. Mm-hmm. The fact that waiting can be turned into a, a positive in this day and age is, I find, amazing. It's such such a good point. I think there's also, well, for the other person, it's just that incredible element of surprise yeah, and delight. Totally. Right. Well, you're finding joy in the waiting to hear from them because they're going to get in contact because basically no one gets joyful mail anymore. It's like one of the truly greatest things in the world. As people who have listened to this podcast regularly know that I think (laughs) that to be true. But on the other side, it's just right. Like you described before with that um, woman who's, you know, got health challenges every day, opening up your post box. My kids do this. My kids are the ones that open up the mailbox to check what's inside. And it's bill, bill, bill advertisement. Um, And then when there's something in there, it doesn't even matter if it's for them. It's just that they can tell when there's something different that's personal in there. And it's always been true. I, I remember writing about that in The Joy of Missing Out, that there's this tangibility for children when something's been mailed to them by someone they love. But that's true for us as adults as well, Absolutely. right? Like, wow, like someone took the time and the energy, the forethought, getting the address, right? Even if it didn't take that much time, like they did that for me. Yeah. That was amazing. You can't, I don't think you can beat it. (laughs) What's one of your favorite stories um, from over the last six months? You shared a few of them of people, you know, receiving the pigeons and writing to you right away. Do you have a favorite story of someone that you've connected with or um, that you've sent a letter to that's happened through this whole new enterprise? I think the one that affected me most was probably this lady who who has health problems just because it was so out of the blue and and spontaneous and she you know it's all off her own bat she bought the pigeons and then emailed me to say how wonderful they were and that that I think really affected me because it really made me think this is wow this is more than just a a product this is something that's really bringing joy to people um what other ones I've had I've had a fun one from a lady who uh, has just moved into a windmill and asked if we have any windmill pigeons which was just <laughs> brilliant I don't have any windmill pigeons yet but um yes. yet yet is the word <laughs> I did say to her um if you can send me some you know some illustrations that go I'm sure we can have a look at designing a, a windmill pigeon but um just the whole interaction I've been corresponding again with a, with another lady who it turned out she has chickens and my Youngest daughter was just about to get chickens. We were building a chicken house together in the garden, which we now have chickens. And there's been about 10, 10 or 12 emails back and forth between me, myself and this lady all about chickens. She, she even sent my daughter some um, barn owl. I don't know if you have barn owls over there, owls, small owls. Oh, yes. Barn owl pellets in the post after discussing them on email because she'd found them on her farm and thought my daughter might be interested in them if she's like the nature and outdoors and chickens. And so the next day, a little box of barn owl pellets that arrived so you can, you can take them apart and see what the owls have been eating and just absolutely amazing. Where would you get that kind of correspondence for in a business? It's just, so it's the sort of, it's the personal connections I think that I've just loved, absolutely loved. And even sadly, I have to be on Instagram because if you're a business, you have to be on some social media platforms. But that one does seem to be quite a very, a very positive one. But 
the stories I get from Instagram as well is is lovely. People who've bought some in a shop. There's some shops in, in the UK that sell pigeons now and and then have posted a picture of them and said how how much they love them, that kind of thing. And it gets back to me and it, it adds to the joy. So yeah, just lots of really positive, lovely stories. That's awesome. Can I share a little bit about our shared project? Sure, yeah. So uh, John has worked with me to design uh, some Jomo-themed <laughs> pigeons, which are coming soon. So stay tuned for those. They're beautiful. Um, and I am going to make them available. I, I think, John, I've shared with you before that I send mail um, yes. to Jomo members. And so I've got this analog tier um, where I send things in the mail because I truly do believe that sending human to human messages by posts is one of the great delights of life. So I'm really excited to see some of these pigeons in the world yeah, soon. Excellent. That's great. <laughs> well, John, uh, people, I will obviously share in the show notes as well, but the website that you are looking for to learn more about John and his work is pigeonposted.com. And like he mentioned, he's got brand new Christmas designs up there and lots and lots of beautiful prints and stamps, depending on where you're tuning in from today. Well, John, thank you so much for being with me. Pleasure. It's been great talking to you. Really good. Well, thank you for listening. You can learn more about our guests in the show notes and by visiting jomocast.com. The Jomocast is edited and produced by Thomas J. Inge, musician and composer by day, podcast ninja by night. The Jomocast is a listener supported Sign up as a patron at patreon.com forward slash JomoCast, and you'll get access to bonus episodes with myself and digital sociologist Jess Piriam, and a handwritten welcome note in the mail for me, because here at Jomo, we believe in the power of the tangible. You'll even get a shout out on the podcast. Patreon support makes the JomoCast possible. That link again is P-A-T-R-E-O-N com forward slash JomoCast. Don't forget to subscribe to JomoCast with your provider of choice. And if you loved this episode, leave us a five-star review. Want more Jomo? Patreon members meet online monthly to digital detox our devices and experience Jomo online and off. Sign up to become a Jomo member at patreon.com forward slash experience Jomo for support like this and so much more. I'm your host, Christina Crook. Thanks for listening. And may you always miss out on the right things.